Welcome to One Long Conversation. I'm Sonia. And I'm Colby. This is a podcast about spiritual awakening. Yeah, and through that we talk about art, culture, conscious parenting, and healing yourself so you can express and freely share your unique perspective with this world. This is a fun and informative conversation that we have daily, and we're sharing it with you. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. At least the chemtrails aren't too thick outside. You can see some blue sky still. There you go. It is chemtrailed AF. <laughs> we need to keep that in. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are we talking about today? You, you want to talk about the governmental systems. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. <laughs> what better time to talk about this than in a... An Air governed chart during Aquarius. That wanna, is the perfect time to talk about what? governmental systems. My Saturn and Aries in the eighth house squaring my moon and <laughs> Capricorn in the fifth house is not particularly thrilled with, <laughs> with this. But hey, if you have a solution, then go ahead and pitch no, it. No, it's not it's not about having a solution. Nobody's nobody's necessarily come up with like a real solution yet. But what I really want to talk about because I've been I've been learning a lot about um a lot about communism, capitalism, socialism. Um it's an element of waking up kind of like we had talked about yeah. some time ago in order to become awake you have to be aware of everything all sides of everything so you do you have to be aware of the governmental body that you're a part of and and who's controlling it yeah so i think i think a lot of people that i have have noticed whether it be on social media or maybe i've had discussions with them they they seem to have an aversion to either talking about government uh or being involved in government in any way and that doesn't solve the problem it doesn't solve the problem and just like we had talked about with a conversation we had before yeah ignoring ignoring things that are negative is not going to make them go away so no and that's obviously that's one of the reasons why we're in the situation we're in is because the majority of humanity is not dealing with what's going on and those that have a lot of money and influence clearly know this, saw this a long time ago, and took full advantage of that. What I've really noticed in my studies is I've noticed there is a fundamental misunderstanding of what these governmental systems mean and where they arose from, and it is causing a tremendous split. It's a huge divide in our society. and. Where we are right now, we need to realize that things are very, very simple. Most of the problems that we have arise from what are called materialist conditions. And this is something that is put forth in uh, Marxist thought often, but it's been brought up before Karl Marx even existed. So he's just the one who kind of created the like materialist ideology. So essentially what that means is it means that... There is a separation between class that is created by haves and have-nots. And those who have will always fundamentally be utilizing their power to suppress the have-nots simply because the nature of having means that you must accumulate more at the expense of others. Of others. And you want to just keep getting more and more and more. And I want to interject this. Those of us that went to the public school system in, I'm going to say North America, because I know some Canadian parents whose kids are in the Canadian public school system, and they went through the Canadian public school system. It isn't any better. And what we learned 
in the North American public school system on the governments, capitalism, socialism, communism, I know is false. I know that what I was taught about government doesn't actually align with what we experience in our daily life. I know that everything that I was taught about in history in school is false. I know that all the books are false and I know they were falsified on purpose. And there's, you know, the original documents, it's like gossip, you know, when they're rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and people talk and talk and they don't do their full research. We get a lot of misconceptions. And I feel like what's happened through all of that misconception and gossip about what the original founding fathers of the United States of America, what their actual intention was with this country, I feel like we have gone way off of the path. There's a, there's a lot of misconceptions. People have ideas. We've got patriots. We've got conservatives. We've got liberals and radicals. Everybody has a different idea about one thing. So one of the things that I have been learning about a little bit and I, I, I do have to dive a lot more into this, but I, I have learned a lot that has given me a, a basis. It's kind of like once you see it, you can't really unsee it. In early Western society, particularly in ancient Greece, there's the implementation of markets, right? And before the implementation of markets, really society didn't place a heavy amount of thought on economics. Uh, actually, there wasn't really much of a big influence as far as economic thought and philosophy goes. Uh, there wasn't really a word to describe like that. So we didn't really have economists. We didn't really have like people who sat around and discussed like the philosophy. It was, it was mostly like the philosophy of living. Like and that really kind of came around during Rome, did it not? Well, it came around in Greece. It came um, around in Greece. It came around okay. in Greece and. Uh, Plato and Aristotle, the two yeah. famous philosophers. This is not really taught ever, so you don't really learn a whole lot about it's this. Um, Plato and Aristotle, the two famous Greek philosophers, they noticed as the implementation of markets in Greece started to become more uh, rampant and widespread, they started to notice that there was a significant side effect of the implementation of a market. And what that side effect was, was it eroded away at social connection between human beings. And so they were two of the first people to point out essentially what would then become down the line anti-capitalist thought, the idea that capitalism is a system that fundamentally is anti-human. It's, it's anti-human to prioritize market prices and scarcity over personal relationships yep. okay. and social relationships between other people. And this is something that was heavily emphasized in Greek society because Greek society was formed almost entirely off of philosophical morals and combined thought. This is why forums were a thing. You would get together and you would discuss yes, philosophy. Right. This is why philosophy was, you know, it, it, quote unquote, a job. Even though my even saying philosophy is a job is me in this century having my entire thought and my entire structure and knowledge of the world has been so heavily formulated by capitalism that I now separate things into jobs and not jobs. They wouldn't have seen that as a job. They would have mm. just seen that as something that you do. It's a way of being like, as I was sharing with you, I've shared with you so many times until my generation, Gen X, up until us, after us, nobody, nobody's really seen this in this way. But when I was a kid, music was a part of life. Every, almost everybody had an upright piano in their house. Everybody had a guitar. Everybody had like a wood flute. Everybody had musical instruments. We all sang. We all had sing-alongs around a piano. It wasn't a separate thing that you had to pay for, capitalism, that you had to pay for as an extracurricular activity after school. Music was never an extracurricular activity. It wasn't even, wasn't even considered that. It was a way of life. Everybody sang. Doesn't matter if you had a bad voice. Everybody sang. We all sang together. It was a way for us to socially connect. Somebody. Someone in your family knew how to play the piano. 
It's the same thing. It wasn't thought of as a separation thing. It wasn't thought of something that you have to pay for. It was life. And that does make sense to me that philosophy was just something that everybody did together. It was a social connection to share wisdom and ideas and experiences. It's it's really just this simple. There were obviously things that had other structures that could be considered adjacent to market economics in one way or another. For example, you could look at the structure of war as being very prevalent in that time. I mean, Greeks were notorious for warring amongst each other and amongst other, and really the entire world was at that point. So you can look at war as being kind of an adjacent structure, right? There's some sort of imposed anti-human ideology that causes chaos and strife. But the idea of economics and and is especially a free market was not really widely implemented to a point where it became such a focus that it dominated our entire way of life. And at least this is how it was in the West. There were probably, because I, we can't assume that free markets, market systems in general arose only in Greece. I haven't done the research personally, but I am sure that simultaneous to this it and before this, it had probably arisen in other societies. I'm thinking in particular Asian societies who were very advanced at this time. And this is something that was talked about in the time of Atlantis. They had or they had markets. This, and Atlantis I, is known as the very first actual civilization on this planet that was an organized civilization, was Atlantis. Atlantis came before Chem. Chem is what we think of now as Egypt. Chem, K-E-M. Chem was the second civilization after Atlantis. And that was also when they were sharing philosophy. And of course, we had the pyramid knowledge and the, the ancient mystery schools and all of that. And the Essenes came out of that. You can you can probably guess that it is the and I'm not even going to say so much human nature because not all of the beings that were in Atlantis were human and not all the beings that were in Chem were human. Pharaohs were not human. They were from another star system. So you can probably like if you and I'm talking intuitively here, but I'm also remembering some of this, this knowledge that I remembered from the time that I was very, very little in this body. This is probably a practice of beings from other star systems as well that are in a density that have a body because this is a way that we interact with each other and we exchange information. We, ex- we communicate with each other. We exchange things. This is, I mean, I, I feel like this is a foundation of having markets is a foundation of 3D behavior. I would definitely say that it is human nature to implement ideas into life so heavily that they become structures over time. Yes. And I think that those structures can become very easily overpowering. And so this is kind of what we're seeing, you know, in the modern day with where we are with capitalism. But anyway, so... Plato and Aristotle, they they noticed this and they had kind of separate ideas on how to deal with it. Um, one of them, I cannot remember exactly which one, said, we need to abolish markets in society because clearly they're just too damaging and we can't have that. And the other one said, it's way, 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 way too far for that to happen. This is going to be something that grows. So we need to start putting checks and balances on this system by implementing stronger government so that it can't become so dominating that it completely erodes away all the social connections that we hold so strong. Hence, the birth of socialism. So... Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And we're not taught this in school. No. No. Because school, since... The beginning of Marxist thought is specifically Marxist thought. Communism wasn't an idea until until Marx came around and wrote the Communist Manifesto. And when that happened, it became so widespread and it was so dominantly anti-capitalist that it freaked the entire Western world out. And you still see this happening today. 
People are so scared to be anti-capitalist in any way, shape, or form. Well, they are in the first world because the first world is capitalist. and it's- Yes, but even, but really, what we kind of... What we kind of explore through the idea of communism is that due to materialist conditions, there is no first, second, and third world. Those are all fundamental structures within capitalism, but they are really irrelevant. The idea is that we have a separation based on materialist conditions, and you either are somebody who owns uh, essentially property, people. You're somebody who profits off of labor. Or you are a laborer. Those are the two fundamental separations of class that make up what Marx was talking about with communism. And when I read the Communist Manifesto... Oh, I know. I I remember that. That was a couple years ago. mm -hmm. That was fascinating to hear. I had some some understanding of this, but my understanding did not go quite as deep at that point. because the language that the Communist Manifesto is written in, uh, to be honest with you, it's a little hard to comprehend. Um, it, and a lot of the references that uh, Marx and his associates are making are rooted in where they lived in Europe at the time, in Germany. And a lot of the references, although they can be uh, used in parallel with things that we have today, they're like, it's a time-based thing. So that's difficult. But the power that this idea had was it completely freaked out all of these capitalist societies because basically what it exposed is it exposed the anti-humanist philosophy of utilizing wage labor to grow at the expense of the laborer, right? And so this is why the first, second, and third world thing become kind of irrelevant because yes, we can say that in the first world, people are definitely more likely to be pro-capitalist, but when you expose that really most of the world is just made up of laborers of various degrees, then really what you see is you see the people who exploit laborers putting forth kind of an ideology Essentially, it's it's glorifying their position. It's like it's it's very strong propaganda. It is to glorify the position of somebody who exploits labor says, I got into this position because I worked really, really hard. I made it to this point because I struggled just like you're struggling right now. I was just like you at one point, but then I made a bunch of money when in fact, most of these people have had money in their families for years and years and years and years, and they're just making profits off the labor of others. So, and then you have all of these laborers, right? And you have capitalists, you have, you have, you know, leftists, uh, right wingers, you have, um, you know, all sorts of people that fit into all kinds of different systems and thought. But these people are essentially arguing as one class. They're a class of people who are forced to work constantly to generate a living. It doesn't matter if you can't, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can have millions of dollars. If you have to work consistently to generate your money, you are a laborer. If you can sit back and make constant increasing money off of doing virtually nothing but exploiting the labor of other individuals, you are somebody who exploits the labor of the worker. Therefore, you are the um, the bourgeois, essentially. So this separation is very, very simple. But you'll notice that the workers are mostly arguing amongst each other. They're mostly arguing about who deserves it more oh i deserve this more because i agree with what the king i mean basically it's it's and i've heard this i've heard this a lot too it's like the peasant being like no 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 my lord worked hard to get to where he's at no 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 he's not exploiting me i could be just like him too one day even though i wasn't born in a rich family and i wasn't born into wealth and i wasn't born with these connections and i may never get a chance to do it I think I have the chance because he says I do. But all the time, he's profiting off of your labor. What would give him any reason to give you a chance? None. (laughs) There is none. (laughs) No. Because he wants to stay in power. (laughs) He's not going to give up his power. 
people seem to think that they people like to equate themselves to these people. So this is where a lot of like pro-capitalist thought tends to like really arise in the working class. You'll you'll meet people who are like, "No, no, 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 no. Communism. No, no, it erodes my freedom. I want to be I want to be able to start a Fortune 500 company if I want to that also exploits the labor of everyone else." <laughs> because I think that the people that own those companies are of a stronger moral fiber than the people who are the laborers. Right. That's basically what it comes down to. It does, yes. They're prioritizing what they have, have essentially been twisted to believe is hard work and tenacity, when in fact it's just exploitation. Because essentially what you have is you have somebody, you have an employer, right? So say you have an employer and the employer employs you know, like a bunch of different people and the people are working on who knows what, maybe they're making uh, you know, they're making cars or something like that, right? The employer's making a good chunk of money from these cars, but then an opportunity comes along to where the employer can cut back a little bit. A new development in technology arises and the employer can then, you know, take some of the some of the work essentially away. What does the employer choose to do? Usually, the employer chooses to cut off some level of the workforce, keep the others working at the same rate so they're still working the same hours for the same amount of pay. Yeah. And then the employer with the money that they're now saving from having cut off those workers and they were able to cut off those workers because they have this new implementation and technology that that says that they don't have to uh, they don't have to have so many people employed to get the same results. So they've made an advancement. But instead of dividing the money between the same amount of workers and just having all the workers go home earlier and maybe get a little bit more free time in their day, they choose to then lay off a portion of the workforce so those people don't have any jobs anymore. They say, sorry, there's nothing I can do. We had to let you go because we don't need you anymore. And then they pocket the excess. Yep. So the system stays the same. It does. And the one thing that you are losing is you are losing any level of human empathy that would say, maybe if we divide all of this equally, we can all go home a little bit earlier and have more time to spend doing something that we love. Yep. And enjoy our life and have a beautiful quality of life and create cohesion and family and community and support which is really what we're here to do. Yep. I mean, you and I are laborers. That's that's where we're at and we're always saying I've got to get out of this. So, what do we do? I do this. I work more. I work harder to work my way out of it. But it makes it makes a dent, but it's not it's not the big catapult out it of it. It really depends on what direction you put your work into. And so this is why in the last episode I talk about you you have to think when you're when you're looking for work, when you're looking for a job, you're making an investment in the future that you want to see. So from my perspective, I think that all people generally fall into what what should be communist thought i think most people generally have communist ideals and principles but society has twisted communism to such a degree that they now associate it with dictators like stalin and uh mass genocide when these are not what communism is at all you can still have a free market system in communist to some degree you can have mom and pop stores it's just that the difference between communism and capitalism is that the mom and pop stores are communal they're worker owned yeah and in capitalism they're owned by a business owner that profits off the labor of the workers yeah i remember when i was in high school which is a little hard to remember since it was so traumatic but when I was in high school, there was a kid that sat near me when we were learning about the three governmental systems, three economic systems on the planet. And this kid, he didn't believe what the history book was saying. I remember he, I, I'm pretty sure he was wearing a black 
uh, Iron Maiden shirt concert shirt too. <laughs> He's really funny. He was, you know, he was a stoner, but he got it just like you do. He got it. And I remember he, he, I, I think he, he must've been a W, you know, we were alphabetized sitting in our desk in the rows. <laughs> so, so patriarchal. And he turns back to me and he goes, you know, this is fucked. And he said, I said, what's, I said, this whole subject, he goes, no, ca- capitalism, <laughs> this is fucked. And I said, why? I didn't know anything about it. I was a teenager. I, this was not my interest. I was, you know, I had to go home and watch MTV. And he said, because what this, this book is saying and what she, our history teacher is saying, he said, she's, he said, they, they've completely screwed this around. They, they skewed this is what they've done. Something like that. And he said, he said, capitalism is not the prize. It's not the prize system. He said, I don't believe what this book is telling me. He said, I have heard some things about Marx. And he, I think he said his dad had read Marx in the manifesto. And, and he said, my dad said that actually communism supports the people. And he said, this book is wrong. And I said, it doesn't interest me. He said, it doesn't interest you because it's wrong. And he said, communism is not the big evil system that we're taught here in the West. And he said, that's because this is a capitalist society and they want us to follow capitalism and they don't want us to see any other way. And he kind of, I mean, that was like a big thing. I mean, the fact that I'm in my mid fifties and I still remember Iron Maiden stoner kid telling me this sitting in front of me in patriarchal lines in public high school, you know, it's like that. I remember that popped up from time to time and it would cause me to question this western world that we're in and in my 20s that that started to have a big ripple effect on me to the point of you know I'm not sure I want to live in this country I know now exactly how I feel about living in this country I'm not I'm not thrilled with living in this country I'm going to lay it out I'm not thrilled with living in this country which is why I took your siblings to South America for a little while because I needed to get out. I had gotten out once to Brazil when you kids were still with me. And I got a perspective by going to Brazil. You got to get out of this country if you want to get perspective of it. And I highly recommend that all North Americans go to a third world country (laughs) and, and spend a minimum of six months in a third world country, live there and volunteer to help people there, which is what we did. And you will get such an eye-opening perspective on capitalism. And I did. And I had to come back. And my coming back was a bargain with universe. I will go back. I will help the kids to finish their, this, the school system. I will help Colby to get his wisdom teeth removed and help him to get launched because, you know, you were just 20. I will do all these things. And then I'm out and I'll make sure that the kids know that they can come with me if they want to. And we're going to go back to Latin America because what the U.S. is doing, it's not working at all. And I knew it intuitively. I knew it logically. Now, that is not to say that I don't have incredible gratitude for the privileges that we have here. I have amazing gratitude for the privileges that we have of opportunity in the United States of America. But what most people don't know is that the United States of America is actually divided in two. You have the United States of America incorporated, and then you have America. And if you talk to a constitutional attorney, a constitutional lawyer about this, you'll learn about this. I did. You'll learn about this. And the United States of America incorporated is on the East Coast going down to Puerto Rico. And that does not govern. After, after you get through Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, it doesn't govern any part of the rest of this country. The rest of the country is actually America legally. But they don't tell you that. That's not talked about. There's, we're living under a massive dupe in this country. We are told what the, the money holders, the money owners want us to think. And this is a part of awakening. As you started, this is a part of awakening is to learn what's really going on, what capitalism really is, what communism really is, what socialism really is. And you literally, you do need to get out of this country so that you can go to other countries 
see what their governments are like from their government. I learned so much about the U.S. that I never would learn in this country from South America. The information, and I told you about this when we were there. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, what a lot of um, what a lot of sort of like sovereign citizen types and like constitutional lawyers they don't really understand. It seems is no matter how much you study the semantics of how America was formed in what legalese and what way, et cetera, et cetera, if you're understanding it as a corporated identity versus, you know, unincorporated, if you're understanding citizens as being aspects of that corporation versus unincorporated, it really doesn't matter because your understanding of that language is not going to hold up in court if somebody who has more money can just pay the judge off to sentence you to yep. the same fate either way. Absolutely. So it does it doesn't really matter. It, it it's interesting to understand, but it's like so this is where I come to the solutions, right? It's like the real solutions are then you have to pursue more communal living. And this is like we've we've talked about this a lot. Like for like communal, your entire life. Like anytime we go to like like people's food co-op, that's a communist organization. It's I know, it's, it is. it's communally owned. It's shared amongst it's all of the people individually. Yes. We need more of that. We need co-op farms. We need cooperatively owned land. We need cooperatively owned um, uh, uh, wildlife reserves. Uh, all these types of things, right? And we do. They cannot be influenced because the one problem, and this is another thing that has duped people into believing that they are so, you know, anti-government. You hear a lot of people stop at the government. They say the government is the big problem. Why would I want more government? You know, why would I want to become a socialist or a communist when the government is the one thing that is essentially implementing all of this legislation or not implementing legislation that still keeps me at the same place where I'm at and doesn't change anything for anyone? Because it's not the government's fault that this has happened. The government is a proxy organization of the capital owners. Every decision that is made is made by capital owners influencing with their money, whether it be through direct donations, super PACs, discrete donations, like at the WEF, which they can literally do whenever they want. And who knows where else they meet with politicians to influence them. All the time. It is because of capitalism that our government is so fucked. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you brought up people's food co-op and... I was a member owner. Well, I'm still a member owner, even though I try to keep, I try to get out of it many, many times because it doesn't work. People's Food Co-op doesn't work because they are trying to create that democratic, that cap, that that communistic. It's it's democratic. It's a demo, It's supposed to be a democracy. We hire the board. All of us as members hire the board, and then. We go to board meetings. Now, I went to one board meeting and it was really boring, first of all. Second of all, it, it wasn't productive. And third, what I really learned is that this democracy that they're trying to implement and they're trying to allow it to flourish is under a capitalistic umbrella. And so the board was acting more capitalistic than democratic. How so? Like what were what were some examples of that? Well, the examples were that we as member owners and I taught yoga there for years. So we as member owners, we wanted to honor um more of the full moon and new moon um days as actual holiday holidays, holy days. We wanted to we wanted to embrace like Hanukkah and Passover and and we wanted all of the holidays that were observed were capitalistic holidays. There were they were Christian holidays and everything was based on Christian Christianity and capitalism there. So the board members, it was a constant rotation of the same people being the board. And those people that wanted to get up in there with the board because they didn't have any experience being with the board ended up just not getting in there, even if the rest of us were voting for them to get up there in the board. It seemed to be the same rotation of the same people. There were some new people that were able to come in, but they didn't have a big voice. And what we noticed 
was that even if we said, hey, this is what the majority of us would like to have happen here. We would like to have this type of food here. We would like to work with this type of farm. We would like to observe the new moons and the full moons instead of Christmas. A lot of us are not Christian. We don't want to observe Christmas. Why are you closing the store on Christmas? Just because it's a national holiday. There's all kinds of people that would like to work here on Christmas or Easter. Why are you closing down on Easter? Why are you following all the Christian holidays and the national holidays? If we're a democracy, then we should decide when we're open and when we're closed. That didn't happen. There are all kinds of things like that that did not happen. And I also didn't feel the freedom to be able to say what I needed to say, advertise as a healer there with my sessions. I was a member owner and I taught yoga there and I received several phone calls after some of my students would go to the, to the management, to the board and say, Sonia said this and Sonia's talking about essential oils this way and you don't sell those essential oils here. I got some phone calls saying, we don't sell those essential oils here. You can't talk about those essential oils anymore. You can't sell your own essential oils here. And I'm like, I'm a member owner and I bring so many member owners into this store and you're telling me that I can't sell my own essential oils in this store? I'm a member owner. This is supposed to be a democracy. No, we don't sell it here. We're not going to make any profit off of you selling your own oils here. So you can't sell your own oils within the, 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 the building or on the grounds. And I was told that on the telephone three times. That's not a democracy. That's capitalism. They were looking for the profit for themselves. Yeah, and unfortunately, historically, this is where uh, this is where communism has really failed, and it is ultimately not so much a fault of communism as it is a fault of how far we are into market principles and market economics having been ingrained in every aspect of social and political society. Yeah. So it. It's really, really hard to like get off the ground floor. This is why you have like in every society which has implemented or implemented some form of communism, you have seen either the rise of a dictator or a reversion back to a capitalist society because it is really, really hard now that we've gotten this far to break free of people's ideology and ego that wants to dominate. Uh, whether it be for profit's sake or for power's sake or whatever it may be. So Absolutely. This, is, this was the problem when I was talking about in previous episodes, and I've been talking to you about this for years, all of the wellness centers that I was a part of that were trying to open up and really help people to heal. The owners are completely programmed with the capitalistic ideal. So we were trying to make it a cooperative, a democracy, but greed, I want to make a profit. And you know what? This was my idea. And I'm the one who's paying the rent in this, in this commercial building or whatever. Therefore, I should get more. Well, what happened to us being a democracy and a cooperative? And we're all, we would all get to sit down and talk about what our role is. And it would never come to fruition because the people who had the original idea and had enough money to be able to pay for the original commercial building got greedy. No, I really want to make all the profit myself or I want to make more of the profit. And you, well, this isn't really a cooperative. I hired you. You're under me. There's a lot of the hierarchy, a lot of the caste system came with it. And every single wellness center failed, closed. This is what happened with Yoga Union Community Wellness Center. This is what happened with them. It's the same thing. This is what happened with um, Om Base Yoga. Same thing. This is what happened with the um, Yoga Room Cusco. Same thing. I'm naming names because they're all done. They're closed. But this is what happened with all of them. There was one out in, in Aloha that I was a part of. There was one up in Vancouver, a chiropractic office that I was part of. Same thing. They all have this ideology of democracy. This is a cooperative. But when it really comes down to it, there's this fear that, oh, I made this big investment and I'm not going to get my investment back. I'm not going to make enough money. And it's like, you've got to start somewhere. I was more than willing to put any scraps of money that I had into it. And I was, you know, I'm like, look, this is what I do. 
I have all of these healing modalities. I have all these certifications. This is what I do. Not only, not only can I serve this way and I am willing to give of my time to start. I'm willing to literally volunteer my time once a week and not get any payment just to get this thing going. And I'm a social networker. I know everybody. I talk with everybody. I'll bring a ton of people in with this. That wasn't good enough. It's, well, we need to make a profit right away. There was a fear of lack. Yeah. Um, yep. I think that hits the nail on the head. I, I really think that that is why we've, we've seen so much failure and been unable to break this, this cycle because at the very deep core of it, what it's really about is your moral compass and your human ideals that are behind the ideology. So communism is an amazing critique of capitalism, and it, it dives very, very deep into all of the flaws that have brought us to where we are now. And the fact that it was created, you know, like, um, at this point, over a century ago, and still has been so prevalent, it can't be suppressed. It is still so prevalent and actually growing in popularity in younger kids. Uh, it, it's like... I know, they've, they've... The fact... Marx is not lost on youth. No, 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 he's not not at all. So the fact that it can be so... That such a, such a fleeting but yet antiquated idea can be so powerful really says a lot about what it is that it's critiquing. It shows how flawed of a system capitalism is, and the argument of, well, it's the best that we've got, really isn't oh, good enough. I know. Because... That, that said so much. It's the best that we've got. My parents have actually A lot said of people that. fall back on that. There's a lot of excuses that you see, and they're very, very short-sighted. And a lot of what comes down to the core of these excuses is, well, I want the opportunity to be a have. I want to be somebody who has if I want to. I want to be able, <laughs> I want to, be able to exploit the labor of other people if I want to, <laughs> which yeah. is, and that is why all of these systems fail, it because is. people need to eradicate that, that part of themselves that says, I want to be able to exploit because I like what these people up at the top, I like what, where they're at. I like the fact that they have so much and I don't. And maybe not that I don't, but there's almost like a there's like a weird like double dissociative thing going on there where it's like, I don't like that I don't have those things, but I wouldn't mind if everyone else didn't have those things. Right. And so this is the difference with was we're moving into the age of Aquarius. And yes, I truly feel that it is beginning next month, March 23rd, when Pluto begins to enter Aquarius, because Pluto is about generational healing ancestral healing it's about literally stopping investigating because in modern day astrology pluto was assigned as the now the true ruler of scorpio dive deep be the forensic scientist and go deep 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 into the wounds go into the blood and guts and you do aquarius and you're talking humanity the collective consciousness and yes i also i will put aquarius with um, with Saturn as well, which is its traditional ruler, which is also Saturn is about discipline and the structure and Aquarius is about breaking that up with new ideas and change and growth. I feel like they both totally apply. And when we're going into Aquarius with Pluto, Pluto is entering Aquarius here very soon. What we are seeing is the reveal of this. And we're seeing we have to make a change. We have to change our behavior. We have to completely observe our behavior of the program of, I have to acquire at the expense of another. I have to have this. I have to have that. I personally, I'm a minimalist. I only have what I need. That's it. And the next big thing that I need, which is my own tiny home on wheels, is coming. I see it. I feel it. That's all I need. I don't need any more. What I do need is I need a healthy community. I need to live in earth. She calls me. I need to grow my own food. That is a need. And that has nothing to do with governmental systems. But yet capitalism doesn't support that. And 
what we have an opportunity to do here now is to start really literally creating cooperatives of, I am going to use all of my gifts, my talents, and my skills to help as many people as possible to empower them and to help educate people from my knowledge. If we have knowledge, we have to share that knowledge with others. We have to educate people. We also have to honor the difference. And that's the Aquarian perspective. You're different than me. I can learn from you. What do you know that I don't know? Honor and respect your difference of perspective. And let's all create a healthy community together. Let's acquire land. Everybody has this idea. All of these starseed light worker way shower people, us and all of everybody that's listening to this. We all have this idea about getting back to earth and creating permaculture and, but we actually have to do it. We can talk about it. And I've been talking about it for more than 26 years, but we actually have to do it. And you have to use whatever capital that you have and you have to pool it together because that's how we're going to acquire the land. Yeah. Whatever money that you have, take the chance Take the money out of your account and put it together with other people that have the same principles and have the same intuition and have the same idea and actually acquire that land and learn. YouTube University, hello, learn how to grow your own food. It's so simple. There's tons of channels. I've been looking at them for years and years. I actually started gardening in 2020. It's actually so simple and incredibly fulfilling to grow your own food. It's in our DNA. Our ancestors grew their own food. We intuitively and instinctually know how to grow our own food. And that's the kind of abundance that we're looking for because universe is going to mirror that back to us when we do all finally come together and support each other. We're going to have so much more in ways that we had no idea when we're looking through the capitalistic lens. No idea at all. And the level of abundance is going to be way more than we ever even imagined. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think that if you take a communistic approach to looking at government and you analyze our current systems through that lens, you apply the same critiques that Marx or Engels or any of these other communist philosophers would have applied. If you apply the same critiques that Plato or Aristotle would have applied to markets back in ancient Greece, any other, any other uh, philosophers who have been actively critiquing capitalist systems, you take that approach, but you combine it with a core backbone of saying, okay, I have to understand my own ego. I have to understand my spiritual essence as a human being. I have to understand my tendencies and I have to work to be aware of my own actions and how those actions affect other people. I think if everyone was capable of doing that, we would have a system that equally supports one another and yet is also kept held in check by our own individual self-checks and balances. Because if we're understanding that my actions in doing such a thing oversteps the boundaries of someone else, we're not going to have dictators. We're not going to have people who come up and say, oh, I'm going to take this and utilize this. If they're capable of sitting and meditating and recognizing their own ego and saying, okay, this is something that goes you know, too far. This is something that oversteps these bounds. And Maybe we, at this point, have invested enough into mental health that we're able to talk freely to one another and ask each other these questions in a place of grounding, you know, not feeling too embarrassed, not feeling too traumatized to say, hey, I, I've been feeling this way, you know, I've been feeling like I, I, there's this kind of desire in me to like to, to take and I'm, I'm, I don't know how to feel about it. And the other person who's listening can say, okay, I understand that you, who I've been friends with for a while or neighbors with for a while, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that you're probably not a bad human being. You're, I'm not going to condemn you for thinking these things, but let's just like break this down. Let's be each other's therapist and kind of break down the principles behind this and see where this is coming from in the ego. So we can delve into this. We can solve this problem at a root level within you. And then we can all go back to being collectively owned, worker unionized, and do what we want to do in a healthier and balanced way. Absolutely. 
And the, the most amazing point with that, what you just said, is getting the ego out of the way and being willing to dive deep into the subconscious programming. And it does go back to that because that's how we are changing this. And it is changing already. That's how we're changing from I have and you don't to we all have and we all are coming together and we all are, we're all honoring our differences is you have to, you have to keep yourself in check. You have to observe yourself. You have to see where your own programming is and you have to have the willingness, the desire to change that if you really want to change your life. And if you want to be an influencer in changing humanity at this time, that's what you have to do. And you have to be willing to be vulnerable with your community in saying, yep, I have a program going on here and this is not helping the collective. And the community also has to be supportive of that cannot be judgmental because we're all the same. We all have the same programming and we all have the same fears. And when we support each other, look where we look where, look where we can go with that. Thank you so much, everyone, for checking out this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, if you have any feedback, we would love to hear it. So you can leave us a response on our Q&A forms, which I know you can find on Spotify. I don't know if they have them on Apple, but I would check that out or any of the other platforms. Or we have a Patreon group where we do a one hour long Q&A session every single Sunday. So you can find us on Patreon, uh, Patreon slash one long conversation. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to get you involved in the process and uh, heal everyone collectively. That's, that's sort of the goal with this is inner healing for the self, for the collective. Uh, let's just find the best way to do it, get it all out there, and uh, move forward. So thank you guys so much, and we will see you for next week's episode.